Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I am joined by Christy Jones. Welcome, Christy. Hey, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. Christy is a principal at the Sales Acceleration Group, where they help founders build, scale, and grow their sales teams. And she describes herself as a self-styled sales process strategist. So that means we are going to get along famously, Christy. And we're going to talk about a number of things. But the reason I reached out to Christy was because I have been trying to get smart about customer success lately. And I was reading through a fabulous forum called Modern Customer Success Pros. And Christy's comments are all over Modern Customer Success Pros. And I thought, who better to talk to than the person who's dropping so much wisdom for free out there. So that is what we're going to talk mostly about, although we'll talk a little bit about sales too. Before we get too deep into it, Christy, love to just get to know you a little bit. I'm going to bring back, dust off an old question I used to ask a lot, which is favorite book in general, but sales book, maybe favorite customer success book. You know, interestingly, my my current favorite book, and I um, this sounds very funny, but sometimes I go to sleep to it at night because the guy who reads it has got a really nice voice. Um, and I'm trying to subliminally get some, some of those suggestions. But I am obsessed right now with Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which is a, a sales book, but so many good tips in there for just life communication, if you will. Um, and so I'm focusing right now, I've got a post up here on my um, board that says mirroring, labeling. It seems like, it sounds like, it looks like. I'm not doing really well with the mirroring, but if you hold me accountable while we're chatting, Jeremy, I'll see if I can mirror some of your comments and see if I can work on this. But the thing I've really mastered is the what and how questions and the fact that why puts people on the defensive. And so I have tried to eliminate and done a fairly successful job. And I'm obviously teaching that across the board with my clients, but starting every question with what or how. And trying really hard to not start a question with why, it just is probably a a recipe for disaster when you can change why to what very easily. Yeah, let's shift over. So as I I promised the listeners, we talk about customer success, and I am definitely geeking out on that and trying to get smart as fast as possible. You know, one of the reasons besides what you do today, I thought you'd be great to talk to is that you spent some time in the formative years of Gainsight, who is obviously incredibly well known for customer success. Before Gainsight, you were running customer success. Then you join a company who is exists to help customer success professionals and their clients be more successful. What was the kind of biggest learning or biggest surprise when you got into Gainsight that you hadn't known about customer success before you got there? I think that it's more, it can be more process and data driven than probably we were giving it credit for. I think they put the same sort of sales metrics into customer success. You know, we were doing health scores-esque um, at my previous job when I was running customer success. I was grading the customer success reps on how many quarterly business reviews they got done every year, how many contacts did we have at every company, but really putting like so many more health metrics together. So, you know, logins and time in the platform, um, those kind of things I really wasn't tracking before. And so kind of the combination of qualitative and quantitative combined in the health score arena. I'm a data chick. I thought customer success was a little squishy for me sometimes, right? Because it wasn't as hard hitting with the data in the CRM system. And so I did start to put some metrics in place, but to really walk in and understand that, you know, kind of the red, yellow, green concept, right? And knowing early on, you know, we had code red meetings every Monday at Gainsight. Literally, like, who is at risk? And the thing that I learned, one of my huge takeaways that I now, um, I just, I did another panel discussion a couple of hours ago, and I said, churn starts at implementation. And Gainsight taught me that. 
Um, because majority of the clients on the code red list were in their first 90 days. I spun it a little bit this morning because we were talking about building a sales accountability culture. And I said, if churn starts at implementation, then turnover starts at onboarding. How did you know a customer was code red when you were only in the first 90 days? Missing meetings, missing homework assignments. Gainsight had a very structured onboarding process where we had weekly calls. So we had the implementation manager. So we went from account executive actually to implementation manager and then to CSM. CSM got introduced before we handed them off to the implementation manager, but because of the integrations and sort of the complexity of integrating everything that needed to be integrated, they have to go through an implementation process with an implementation specialist. Literally, I mean, again, very structured process approach. You would love it. And all of a sudden, when milestones started to get missed, when people started canceling appointments, when they were showing up with dog ate my homework, then those kind of things were being graded and were being being controlled through the system and said, listen, we're a week and a half behind the milestones. And so all of a sudden, you know, everything was a point system. Next thing you know, you've gotten yourself into the code red situation. I mean, I find it stunning that a customer who just paid good money for a platform would not show up. But I can think of, I guess, some reasons why that would happen. I mean, what are some reasons and, and how do you prevent those bad things from happening? Yeah, I think one of the things that becomes super obvious after the fact is that the person who bought it hands it off to somebody who didn't know that you existed until they got assigned the assignment. And this person already had a full-time job and you weren't even involved, right? So, I mean, so those are some of the early mistakes that people make is the decision maker, who's the business owner, right? Makes that buying decision. But when you're talking about implementing and integrating software into, into other software platforms and got IT and cybersecurity concerns, now all of a sudden people who did not know they were going to be part of the team have just become part of a team that they didn't sign up for and there's no buy-in. You know, as we get towards the end of that sales cycle, I'm only empathetic, sympathetic, and interested in that proper handoff because I've been on the other side and managed that other team, right? But a hunter who's never experienced that isn't thinking about, you know, I start to say to the hunters, hey, listen, who's actually going to be involved in implementation? Is there some free homework that we can start handing out, you know, as we're starting to get ready to implement? You've been involved with these two or three people. Are we going to meet a whole new team? What about getting our team involved towards the end of the sales cycle to start introducing the implementation team? There's a warm way to do that that lets you know, even before that signature is dried on the piece of paper, that, hey, we're about to be introduced to a whole new group of people who may or may not know that we exist. How do we start to bring people into the fold as we're in stage four or five, let's say, of the sales cycle? That sometimes that's siloed, right? Since we were talking about implementation, one I have a hypothesis, and I'd love you to either confirm or refute because I don't I, I don't know whether it's correct or not. I'm struck by the fact that there are so many fewer CS platforms, right? Like unlike in the sales world, right, where it's just like proliferation explosion. One hypothesis I have here is that in the sales world, people have mostly Salesforce, some Dynamics and other other CRMs, the data is extremely well-structured, right? Like everyone's got opportunities, contacts, accounts. And within that, right, there's fields and people generally use the same types of standard fields or they customize them a little, but it's not super exotic. And my theory of why there's not as much in the customer success world and why I would expect implementation is way harder in the CS world is everyone's customer data, it's its own special snowflake. Do you think that's why there are so few CS platforms out there or is it something else going on? I think there's so many different segmentations of sales. Prospecting is its own beast. ABM is its own beast within prospecting. Referral strategies. Um, now the sales cycle itself. So to me, there are so many different steps. And then let's talk about like close loss deals, right? Nurture, the whole concept of nurture. I call them NRNs during the, during the sales cycle, the not right nows. 
even former customers that we want to continue to prospect. So I think part of it is there's so many pieces, which was why we separate the jobs, right? This is why we have BDRs. This is why we have AEs. This is why we have sales operations. We don't have customer service operations. Customer success operations is anywhere near as important as sales ops, you know, sales admin. I think it's because there's so many different pieces. It's not as objective as the sales process sometimes from a data perspective. Success is in the eye of the beholder. Asking that question, what does success look like for every single client? You know, you can say if a deal stays in stage one of the sales cycle longer than 45 days based on past history, the likelihood of it closing goes down by 15%. If you lose your main contact in a customer success situation, they actually say that you have a 60% chance of losing that client. But, but what if that person introduces you to the next person and that was their mentor and they mentored them and they knew this promotion was coming or whatever? Like there are so many other subjective variables, I think, once you've gotten the client on board, that it's just not as nitty gritty as, hey, let's just buy software for that. I would almost argue that we we haven't yet had, I don't know, the time or the drive or, you know, there's not the predictable revenue version of CS yet. I also wonder in the in the CS world, you know, there are companies out there that have a role that's like a CDR, customer development representative, right? That's designed to actually source meetings, often for upsell and, and cross-sell. It, it gets at the big question, I think one of the big questions in, in the CS world. In the sales world, you talk about AEs and AMs, right? Should AEs continue to hold accounts or not? In the CS world, I think the, the analogous big question is, should CSMs have commercial responsibility or not? I'm wondering what your take is on that. I'm a little biased in that world from a standpoint of, I do believe that the behavioral traits of a true hunter um, and that of a CSM are not the same. And so I think a lot of times we set up CSMs for failure. Um, I use the following analogy, like it or not, this is my analogy. Hunters love to get pregnant and carry the baby for nine months, but the minute that baby is born, they in no way, shape, or form have any interest in being part of changing diapers, teaching them to walk, talk, and ride a bike. Um, And a CSM loves that piece, right? They don't want to go through the pain of giving birth. That's hard. That's painful. That runs my, you know, put stretch marks on my body. But oh my gosh, I want to be there for every milestone. I want to be there to, to take the training wheels off. I want to be there at college graduation. I want to walk them down the aisle. I want to be involved in all of that. What should you do as a, if you're setting up a CS organization? And, and the easy answer to that is like, well, I'm going to spend the first 30, 60, 90 days learning what's broken and fix that. Let's say that you don't get that luxury. Like you're being interviewed by a CEO or a VC who's hiring you and they say, I'm not going to tell you anymore, but what are the first one, two, three things you're going to do to increase our, you know, to improve our churn rate? What are some things that are common for you that are in your playbook that you'd pull out? I'm looking for engagement and proactivity. The first thing I do, and I I say I can manage CSM and sales reps to about 80% by just snooping in the CRM. So the first thing I do is go build myself a group of all of the customers and go and see what the next action is. And in most cases, I find the next action in the CRM system is blank. That means we have no plan. If you don't have a next action and a firm calendar appointment with your client in the next 30 to 60 days, then you don't have a plan. So I said, let's go through your pipeline of all of your clients And let's see how many of them you have a firm next action. Not just reaching out to check in. I can't stand the check-in call. I can't stand the howdy duty call. How are we adding value? And I think the CSM world is all about that, right? How are we adding value? We used to say at Gainsight, how are we making them the hero? How are we helping our strategic buyer or contact at that organization get promoted? 
How are we making the organization better? How are we helping them increase revenue? This is a little more subjective, which is why I think there aren't as many software platforms out there for customer success. You know, I say to to reps all the time, if they filled out your contact us form or your demo request form, assume they filled out three others as well with our favorite competitors. And so how are we differentiating each other? And I said, you know, you're the trusted resource when they call you about something that has nothing to do with your product or service. Uh, you know, I talked to a bunch of CS leaders in the last couple of weeks as, as I've been learning. What they said to me was our CSMs are so busy with uh, triaging support tickets. They are so busy with pulling custom usage and user reports. They are so busy with handling code red accounts. They don't really have time to proactively add value. Assuming they find the time, I guess, I mean, part of it is how do they find the time, but I guess that's just more capacity and, and better process. But assuming they find the time, what are some good examples of ways that CSMs, you've seen CSMs truly add value to customers? I think adding value starts with active listening. Are we having those scheduled strategic level calls with the sole purpose of, I want to leave this call with being able to, to do one thing that helps that person or that organization get closer to their 2021 goal? How am I do that? I mean, so I, so again, I go back with customer success before we called it customer success, where we actually were calling it account management. And we had, I was working for a little e-learning company here in St. Louis. We were a reseller of other people's content, had built our own learning management system. And when I got to the company, AEs were also, were keeping what they caught, right? They were also managing accounts after the fact. Very shortly, within probably 12 to 18 months of that, we separated those two out. But the AM team really became a service team. When we really started to become proactive and become more success oriented and not service oriented, one of the things we did is we held, I mean, you guys already have mastered this, but we held our first customer conference, right? And we brought customers from all over the country to St. Louis. We took them to a ball gate, to a Cardinals game and all these other things. And all of a sudden, the feedback we got was the networking opportunity that that provided us added value in ways that we could not quantify financially. And Rainmaker's the same way, right? And Pulse for Gainsight is the same way. Yes, we were talking about e-learning, but not really about our product. I mean, we'd already sold our product and we really weren't doing it for sticky purposes. We really decided we needed to build a community. And it started actually two years prior when for whatever reason, we started to have a plethora of clients in Nashville. And all of a sudden I was making these trips to Nashville and I was taking four days and I was meeting with all these different clients. Oh my gosh, like it struck me. Well, we need to get these clients together. So the next quarter I said, Hey, Nashville clients, who wants to like, who wants to host us in your conference room for an afternoon? And I'm just going to facilitate you send me your top three challenges. And literally it was like a group of about eight, but really it was the top level people at organizations on employee professional development, employee engagement wasn't a term back then, but it was employee engagement, but at a different level. And then we found if we had four or more clients in a city, we would do it. And then all of a sudden it became a customer conference, right? In a bigger way. For you as an attendee in one of those, because you probably, I'm sure you've been on both sides, right? As a facilitator and, and an attendee. Do you get more value? Would you get more value out of one-to-one introductions or out of sitting in a group, a small group, right? Eight or fewer. I agree. It has to be small. Eight or fewer who are sharing ideas and, and best practices. Which do you prefer personally? I actually prefer the small group. I think it's like-mindedness. I think we're going to solve more problems. It's sort of a brainstorming session, if you will, and how everybody else is dealing with things. Why would I need to reinvent the wheel if it's already been invented and we just need to like use some sandpaper instead just to smooth it up a little bit? 
Um, I do. I mean, when I go to your conference and, and other conferences, I absolutely schedule one-on-one meetings with people that I don't get to see very often in person or people that I just think would be valuable to add to my network. I'm in two masterminds, right? It's the same concept, right? I've got a mastermind group with eight. I've got a mastermind group with six. I mean, we get stuff fixed with or without a facilitator. One of the things I was thinking about as you were saying a lot about adding value as a CSM is, hey, just introduce one of your customers to another customer. I would say all you're doing is the introduction, but that introduction is probably the, among the most valuable things that you can actually do. So it's a, a super high efficiency sort of thing. And it's so rare. I mean, I can't remember, you know, I buy a lot of stuff and I can't remember the last time somebody made an intro like that. What about on the sales side? Are there, are there good examples? This is another, we have you know, more salespeople than customer success people who listen to the podcast. Are there some good examples of really adding value and not just asking for yet another meeting or dumping bottom of the funnel case studies on top of people? Like not every challenge that the people we're talking to during the sales process can we solve, right? And so it really is saying like, I want to understand all of your challenges. I may only be able to solve a third of those or 10% of those that, you know, fall into my purview. And I am looking for those. I often say to people, like, I'll take an example from just right before you and I jumped on, I'm interviewing for a client up in Madison, Wisconsin, and I had a candidate that I had chosen and we'd set up a phone screen. And all of a sudden they pulled out his resume and all the, and I had missed this. All of his work experience was in Chicago, which is one of the cities that we're looking for people in. But I'm like, oh my gosh, he lives in Denver. And I felt horrible. I was like, oh my gosh, Denver is not an approved city. And so the first thing I said to him when I got on the phone is I said, I think I'm going to owe you a huge apology. Are you currently working in Denver? Because all of your experience is in Chicago. And he goes, I just moved back. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said to him, I go, I'm going to make it up to you. I said, and here's how I'm going to make it up to you. I said, I currently have a client in Denver who I believe is going to be hiring BDRs in the next six weeks. I will make sure you're on that list. I said, I have other clients that I've worked with in Denver. So you need to link in with me in the next 30 minutes. And anybody that you're looking at, and if I have a, if I have a connection, I will make a personal introduction for you. And I said, and I'm also looking to close another deal this week with a client who will be in Denver, who is looking to build out a new BDR team from scratch with three BDRs. I promise you an interview. He was so grateful. I think he actually thought, I think he actually thought he got a, maybe got a better deal. He knows that I'm going to put him at the top of the list. I feel horrible. I failed him, but I'm going to make it up to him. And I've got his resume over here. I didn't put it back in the folder, the client folder. I have it over here on my desk and I'm going to do whatever I can to help this guy find a job. Well, yeah, this has been uh, super illuminating. I'll ask you my last question, which which I've been asking folks lately because we're talking about how how fractured, right, the, the sales world is in terms of platforms and technology. Uh, but you have this great purview, right, of, of working across all of sales, marketing, and customer success. You know, VC gave you a bunch of money and you were to like start, instead of the consulting organization that you run, you were to start some kind of a, 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 new, a new SaaS company of some kind to serve any of those markets, CS, sales, or marketing, or some combination of the three. What, what would be most exciting to you? What would you, wanna, what would you wanna start? That's a big gorilla question right there. I think this probably comes back from my from my e-learning days, but I really do believe that that saying, what if you train them and they leave? And then what if you train them and they don't? I, I mean, and I tell founders, I said, if we can get two to three years out of the people that we hire, particularly at the earlier stage jobs, then we've done our job. But I truly believe in leaving people better than I found them. And so I would probably do something around helping people improve their professional development I think we're missing the psychological piece. You know, again, like if you look at uh, Never Split the Difference, I think the reason why I'm obsessed with the book and have read it like 12 times now or listened to it 12 times is because I pick up something new every time and it's all psychologically based. 
And not necessarily from a manipulative way, although, you know, as a FBI international hostage negotiator, there was some of that. But I think what he's saying is you really understand human behavior and why people do what they do and when they do it, then you're going to be that much more in tune to people, right? Like I believe that certain trait, behavioral traits are probably innate and can't be trained. And so the question is, does that fit with your culture? I feel the same way about employees as I do about customers. If you do the right thing, as far as you understand it to be the right thing, and we do it consistently, like that comes back to you. Everybody in my circle and beyond knows this. I have 30 minutes for everybody. When you reached out to me, I was like, absolutely, would love to talk to you. And I have 30 minutes for everybody. I don't have 60 minutes for everybody right now, but I have 30 minutes for everybody. Got an email this morning. She's like, hey, this is so-and-so. Ed told me to reach out to you. I'm looking for this following sales job. And he said, you're a connector and that you could help. Customer success is just that. Active listening with a giving heart and mentality, looking for opportunities to add value, and just knowing that the universe is going to take care of the rest. Well, Christy, uh, it was awesome chatting with you. I, I was going to say, uh, maybe it's, a, it's an extreme offer, but like if people want to get 30 minutes with you, as you just said, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you and, and learn about Sales Acceleration Group? Sure. Uh, my favorite way for people to reach out to me is connect on LinkedIn. And I always ask people if they connect on LinkedIn and they said, I heard you on Jeremy's podcast. I'll say, great. What was your takeaway? So you can stop me from asking you about your takeaway by just telling me what, what your one takeaway is so I can hold you accountable to that. Um, but that's my favorite way to reach out. My um, website is salesaccelerationgroup.com. But most people will reach out to me on LinkedIn. And that's my favorite way because that helps me build my network. Well, thanks for dropping all your wisdom on us today. And I want to, I'll say that one of my best takeaways was I've always thought in the sales world, you right, you need the next next action, next step. I, I hadn't thought of that in the CS world. I feel kind of stupid, but uh, the good news is I feel smarter having talked to you. Awesome. Jeremy, thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a pleasure speaking with you and chatting about my favorite topic. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.